morning. Will you give glory and praise and honor? Amen. It was very good to be with y'all last week. It was a thrill to my soul to be able to worship with you in person and what God is doing out there, and it is an incredible blessing to know that and see that. And all God's people say it. Now, now help me with as much volume as you can because I'm, I'm going to be pretty docile this morning. Uh, I, I went to the doctor yesterday, and they said I got bronchitis. And, uh, and I know what you're thinking, because the last time I said I'm not going to preach, uh, but see, last time I said I wasn't going to preach when I had strep. <laughs> this is bronchitis, amen? And there ain't no way, there ain't no way the preacher is allowed to call in sick on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> I would never hear the end of it by all the Baptist brethren. Say amen. Did y'all hear that Pentatemple preacher? He said he was sick on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, right. Amen. <laughs> amen. Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Luke 14. We're going to continue our series that we started with our kickoff service at Fairview uh, on the DNA of the church. Uh, the DNA of the church, what we're all about, what the Scripture says the church is supposed to be. We want to all be on the same page. We want to all know. And how many of y'all know that there's a lot of different opinions about what the church is supposed to be Amen. and what the church is supposed to do? Well, the last time we were here in this chapter, we found out that God cares about lost souls. Amen? Amen. God cares about sinners. Amen. Well, I tell you, I don't know if that's steroid shot or Jesus, but I'm a little emotional. Amen. <laughs> God cares about lost people. God cares about broken people. God cares about hurting people, and God cares about people that don't even care about themselves. And I'm glad God saves old sinners. Amen. God wants his house to be full. He wants those who have received help to go find those who need help and bring them to a place of help so they can hear of the great help. And he said, go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house be full. Listen, we learned last time that when it comes to salvation, there is no prerequisites. Jesus will take you just like you are. Amen. Jesus will, oh, amen. You don't have to improve nothing. You don't have to fix anything. You don't have to start anything. Just come like you are. Come with your mess. Come with your baggage. Come with your junk. Come with all your frustrations. Come with your doubts. Come with your fears. Just come like you are. And he said he will take you. He will receive you. He will in no wise cast out. Say amen. Amen. Boy, he loves people. He loves people. But here's the thing we got to understand. <clears throat> Jesus will take us just like we are. But he will not leave us that way. He will not leave us that way. And that's where we want to tag on today. Listen, salvation is not the end. It's just the beginning. Amen. Let's look in verse number 25. If you will look there with me. Luke 14, 25. It says, And there went great multitudes with him. And he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, his own life also. He cannot be 
my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth not the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation, is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and it was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else the other, yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt's good. Say amen. But if, if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out, he that hath ears to hear. Let him hear. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the privilege of coming into a place where your spirit is felt. Thank you for a place that loves people, no matter who they are. Lord, thank you for a place that will receive people, no matter where they're from. I pray that your perfect will be done in this house today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus, Jesus had a way of attracting crowds. I mean, you turn water into wine and, and you heal sick people. And you take a, you take a lad's lunch and, and you feed thousands of people. Uh, you're going to attract the crowd. You spit in somebody's eye and they can see you again. You're going to attract the crowd. You walk by a funeral service and bring them back from the dead. You're going to attract the crowd. You step out on the ocean and start walking on the water, and you're going to attract the crowd. You step on the bow of a boat in the midst of a raging sea, in the midst of a raging storm, and you say, peace, be still. You rebuke the wind, and you rebuke the waves, and you say, peace, be still. And there's no more wind, and there's no more rain, and there's no more storm, and there's utter calm on the sea. Honey... You're going to attract the crowd. When people get something and people receive something from somebody, that is very attractive to them. But there comes an issue with that and there comes a problem with that. Uh, how many of y'all know that the government, uh, listen, the government or the people, the scientists that tell you what to do with the bears at Yellowstone have more sense than the federal government? They tell them, don't feed the bears. Don't feed the bears. Don't give them handouts. Why? Because they will get dependent on the handout and they won't go find their own. Are y'all with me? And so here we have a crowd that's following Jesus now. Now we do know, we do know, when it comes to salvation, Jesus says, whosoever will, let him come. Go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. When it comes to salvation, Jesus is all about quantity. He says, bring them in far and wide. Go tell the world. Tell every creature. 
tell everybody that there is a Savior who loves them more than they could ever imagine. There is a Savior who loved them so much that he died and gave his life so they could be free and forgiven, so they could experience redemption and make it to glory. Somebody say amen. But we see there's a crowd that follow Jesus. But many times this crowd is a crowd. Now watch now, you've got to follow. This is where the transition goes. This is where we're moving from one, one place to another. The crowd it, it, many times are filled with appreciative fans. And they're following for what they could get out of Jesus. At one point in this ministry... When, when, when he was giving them free food and he was giving them just healing everybody, they tried to make him king not because he was authority and not because he was God's son, but because they could get some free stuff. And, and I'm afraid, I'm afraid there's a lot of people who come to church so they can get their spouse back. And they come to Jesus so, so they can fix their problems in their life. And they come to Jesus, and they come to Jesus so they can get a job. And they come to Jesus so they can get off crack. They, can get, they come to Jesus so they can get meth out of their life. Now, let me, let me say this first off. I don't care what it takes to get you to come to Jesus. And Jesus doesn't care what it takes to get you to come to Him. Listen, if it was out of plain curiosity or if it was out of major tragedy, it does not matter how you got to Jesus or what it took to get you to Jesus. But you need to understand something. After you come to Jesus, it's no longer about what He can give you. It's about who He is. And the Bible says this great multitude is following Jesus. But if you study the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus, you'll find out that Jesus wasn't particularly interested in gathering a crowd. He was interested in gathering an army. He was not, listen, he was not so concerned about having major crowds. He was not tallying up the numbers so he could say, hey, look who was at my meeting. Look how many I had. Matter of fact, usually every time he got a big crowd, he said something to thin the ranks. And he's fixing to do it again. Now listen, he just gets through saying about the highways and hedges, come, 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 come. That's about building a crowd. But once the crowd gets here, let me tell you about what he's wanting. Let me tell you what he's expecting from you. I don't know if you understand this or not, but God's got great expectations for you. He turns to this crowd, this big multitude of people that's following him. And he says something, he says something very serious. Listen, this is what he says. He says, if you're going to come after me, basically he says, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be a disciple, and by the way, if you're a believer, it should be your desire to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, what does disciple mean? If you know what the word apprentice means, it's a modern day word for apprentice. It's a learner, it's a pupil, it's a student, one who follows for the sake of learning. For the sake of being, do you know that it is God the Father's perfect will for you to become like His Son? Amen. 
It says in Romans 8, 28, For all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to His purpose. What is His purpose? For whom He did foreknow, He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. And He wants us to be like His Son. How are we going to be like His Son? We're going to follow Him. We're going to study Him. We're going to listen to Him. We're going to obey Him. And this is what He says. If you're going to be my disciple. And and by the way, guys, it's my desire to develop you into a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, there's two things. If you want to just break them down smaller, two things we're about here at Temple. We're about, number one, going into the highways and hedges and bringing them in and inviting them and compelling them and to say, hey, we have the answer. We know the answer. It's not an it. It's a who. It's Jesus Christ. And we're about evangelism, but not just about evangelism. When we win you to Christ and we lead you to Christ and we teach you who Christ is and you receive Christ, that is just the beginning. It is my desire to train you and develop you and teach you and help you become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about a religious activity. It's not about something to do on Sunday. It's not because, you know, God wants us to be in church and we've got to be in church just because we're in this building. There's something, you know, in the atmosphere in this building. No, 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 no. Uh, listen, discipleship is every day. Amen. Every day. And Jesus says some words that's pretty intense. I'll be honest. Look what he says in verse number 26. He says, if you're going to come, if you're going to follow me, If any man come to me and hate not his father, his mother, wife, children, brethren, sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. If you're taking notes, the first thing we have is the realization in following God. The realization in following Jesus. You know, people have a misconception about this thing. All right, I'm saved. I've got my ticket to heaven. That's all that needs to be done. Oh, honey, that's just the beginning. If, If all God intended to do when he saved us was for us to go to heaven, he would have took us when we got saved. Are y'all with me? Now, let me explain this verse before some of y'all freak out on me, okay? I ain't hating my mama. I understand that. I understand that. I'm not going to hate mine neither. I love my mama. Say amen. amen. Now, now, the terminology Jesus is using here and the phrase he's using here, hate, he says the word hate means literally to love less. To love less. Now, let's put that, let's put that in the context. What he's saying here, it says your love for me, your love for me, Jesus is speaking, your love for me has to be so great that your love for me compared to your love for them will seem like hate. In other words, I have to be priority in your life. Do you remember when the lawyer asked Jesus, what's the number one commandment? If there was a number one, if there was the biggest one, the most important one, you know what Jesus said? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. I'm here to tell you, you cannot be a disciple if you do not first love Jesus. 
And the very first thing I want to help you with, and the very first thing I want to teach you, and the very first thing I want to help you do is to love Jesus. Love Jesus with all of your heart. Love Jesus with all of your soul. Love Jesus with all of your mind. Oh, he's given us so many reasons to love him because he first loved us, because he died for us, because he redeemed us, because he's so merciful to us and long-suffering to us. He's prepared us a home in glory. Oh, we should love Jesus. He helps us when we need him. He comforts us when we're sad. He brings us peace in the time of turmoil. Oh, we should love Jesus. We should love him. Man, I woke up at 5 o'clock this morning. I had a great outline. Jesus messed it all up. Listen, I got alliteration and everything. And Jesus said, Oh, just tell them to love me. Just tell them to love me. Listen, he has to be priority. Here's some things that's not in those. You can forget this because you ain't got it. <clears throat> you know, you, you want to know, you want to know if you love him? In God's word, it says this. If you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. He says this. Herein is the love of God when we keep his commandments. And then it says this. His commandments are not grievous. If you love him, it ain't a problem. It ain't a problem. You remember... You remember uh, uh, when 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 Jacob when Jacob was working for his wife, if you don't know the story, Jacob was working for Rachel. <clears throat> Jacob was working for Rachel. Rachel was good looking; she was beautiful. And 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 the father father in law said, "Okay, if you want her, you got to work seven years for her. No problem." Well, on their wedding day, on their wedding day, he tricked her, and he she 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 he ended up. With, it, with her ugly sister. <clears throat> I'm not making that up. It's in the Bible. Don't look at me that way. He said, what? He said, no, it's our custom. Thank you, Doc. Thank you. He said, this, this is the order. He said, now, if you want Rachel, you got to work seven more years. Now, that's love, buddy. <laughs> but you know what it says? His, <laughs> his love for her was so great. It seemed as but a short time. What's the point? Our love is reflected in our activity, our behavior. Let me ask you a question. Be honest, guys. You people that's been saved just a little time. You know, we've got some people that's just been saved a couple weeks. We've got, we've got, some people have been saved for years. But let me ask you a question. Is your behavior reflecting love to Jesus? Don't tell me you love him and then act different. Because he said, if you love me, you'll keep my. Listen, our love is reflected in our giving. For God so loved the world that he gave. See, love is about giving. 
giving of yourself. Listen, listen, that's, that's the problem. That, that when most couples are dating, they're all about giving. They're all about giving. They'll give gifts. They'll give presents. They'll give whatever time's necessary. It doesn't matter. When they're dating, they'll sit on that couch as long as it takes for her to put her makeup on. <laughs> but when they get married, he's in the car beeping the horn saying, Come on, woman! <clears throat> That'll preach. You know what happens in most marriages? Because when we're dating, we're giving. And when we're married, we go to taking. We take for granted. We take advantage. We just take. And we forget love's about giving. Listen, I guarantee you, if you want to see if somebody loves Jesus, check their checkbook out. I'm sorry. This, is, it, this morning, Jesus woke me up, 5 o'clock. This is what he want me to tell you. You can tell what somebody loves by checking their checkbook. And then, the, and then the third thing Jesus told me this morning, he said, you can tell that they love me by their priorities. Their priorities, what's important to them. The Bible says, seek ye. Come on, everybody in the balcony. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Two things you can check to see what's important to people. Their checkbook and their planning book. Their day planner. What do they spend their most time with? What do they spend their most time doing? You know, some people don't worship Jesus. They worship their children. Some people don't worship Jesus. They worship their career. Or they worship their hobby. Listen, this is important, guys. We've got to get this. We will never be disciples until we love Jesus. We have to love Jesus more than our own life. We have to love Jesus more than our family. We have to love Jesus more than our careers. We have to love Jesus more than anything. We cannot move past this point. We cannot get anything else out of this till we learn this. We have to put Him first. Too many people compartmentalize everything in their life. they got categories for everything. Or i got school, and I've got work, and I've got play, and I've got this, and I've got that. And then somewhere over here, if we've got any time left over, we'll put God somewhere. And what God says is this. I am to be the center of your world. I am to be the center of your life. I am to go with you to work. I am going to go with you to school. I am to go with you no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. I am the center of your life because I am your life. I have to be first. He has to be priority. We have to seek Him first. We have to put Him first. He has to be number one in our life. Jesus will not sit back and take second place to nothing and no one. I wrote, I wrote something down out of a commentary I read. This one little phrase, it just stood out to me in a huge way. A disciple, listen to this now guys, listen to this. This might cut some of your whining down. A disciple retains no privileges and makes no demands. Did y'all get that? A disciple retains no privileges and makes no demands. 
Do you see in that verse it says, unless a man forsake all that he hath and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. Now watch this, watch this. What that means is, is we come to God and we just hand out everything. And we say, God, I'm yours. My resources are yours. My dreams are yours. My desires are yours. I have no demands. I have no requirements. I have nothing. Listen, nothing. I'm here to give. It is total surrender to Christ. Total surrender. Total surrender. Say it with me. Total surrender. In Fairview, say it loud. Total surrender. God, you're my everything. And by the way, he is. No demands. No privileges. We are here. Listen, if we could ever get that, if we'd ever get that, churches would stop splitting. Listen, churches would start growing again. If we'd realize that he's in charge and not us. Are y'all with me? Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. And he did too. You're thinking, dear God, that's a big requirement. You mean to tell me I'm supposed to set everything aside? You mean to tell me, you mean to tell me everything that I think and hold dear, I'm supposed to set it aside? That's exactly what I'm saying. That is what's required to follow Jesus. That is what's required to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's what you're thinking. Why? Okay, if you keep reading, Jesus says, let me, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. And he uses two illustrations. A builder, a builder who was building, and a soldier who was fighting. So he uses two illustrations, building and battling. Building and battling. He says, how many of y'all would not sit down first and count the cost of everything? Count the cost of everything before you start building to make sure you have enough to build what you're building. Are y'all with me? Because you sit down with a contractor and you go down the list and you go down there and and, and at the end, he says, okay, it's going to cost this much. And after you get off the floor from seeing the price, you're saying, good night. Why does it cost that much? And he says, okay. He says, because I've added it all up. And this souped-up tub you want with the jets in it, and this flat screen is going to be on the wall, and 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 don't even make me go in the kitchen department. Y'all with me? He is saying it's going to cost this because I've already calculated the cost of what it takes. And Jesus is saying he uses this illustration. He says everybody has to count the cost of what they're doing to see if they're going to be able to do it. Same principle with the, with the, the battle and the soldier. I'm not going to go out against 10,000 with 500. I'm going to send an ambassador and say, can we talk about this? Y'all with me? Now here's, I've heard several preachers preach on this and say, you need to count the cost. No, you don't. You don't need to count the cost. Jesus is saying, I've already counted the cost. He says, I know what it's going to take to build my kingdom. 
I know what it's going to take to battle the forces of evil and fight the devil on every hand. And I'm here to tell you, an uncommitted, wishy-washy Christian who's not all the way in and sold out, he will not make it when it gets hot in the battle. He will not make it when it gets tough in the building process. He will not make it when the storms are raging and the wind is blowing and all hell's breaking loose. you got to be a soldier for Jesus Christ. That's why you have to be sold out. Because I don't know if you've understood the wickedness that we're dealing with in this country now. It is unprecedented. It is unbelievable the amount of wickedness. And guys, we have to still stand and proclaim the gospel. We have to still stand and proclaim the truth. Listen, sin is still sin. Right is still right. And wrong is still wrong. And I'm telling you, if you are half-hearted, if you are uncommitted, it's only going to get worse out there and you will never make it. Honey, you need to sell out today and say, I'm all in for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why, that's why you have to sell out to him. I don't know about you, but I'm telling you, I, I, I'm, 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 a little, I'm a little concerned for our grandbabies and, and great-grandbabies if the Lord tarries is coming. Y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now let me help you with something before I give you the last one and we'll, we'll pray. Don't, don't get too tore up if you're not there yet. Preacher, normally I just go on to the salt. <clears throat> but Jesus, <laughs> man, this morning, Jesus said, love is a journey. Well, I, I don't know why I've never seen it like this, but he said, son, love is a process. Miss Savannah, she tickles me. Got saved a couple weeks ago and got baptized today. And and you see, I can't expect her to love Jesus like I love Jesus. I I, 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 I grew up in a, in a preacher's home and been in church ever since I was in diapers and went to Bible college. And, and I've been pastoring for a long time. And I've spent a lot of time with Jesus. And, and he's done so much for me. And my love for him has changed over the years. And, 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 and hers is just beginning. You know what the Bible teaches? That, 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 that a new Christian is a babe in Christ. And this is what God showed me this morning. You know a baby, you think your baby loves you. He don't. Your baby loves the milk you give him. And if you think he loves you, why would he wake you up at 3 in the morning? He don't love you. He loves that milk you're going to give him. I'll prove it. Give him the milk and see if he don't shut up and go back to sleep. He didn't, he didn't wake you up at 3 because he missed you. And as they grow and go into toddlerhood, y'all know, they get stuff from you 
And, 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 and you give them that little bicycle, they always, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. Put it in the closet. <laughs> I hate you. And then, and then as we mature, as we mature, and as we grow, and as we learn what life is all about, and we learn about, <laughs> and we learn that mom and dad's more important than what mom and dad can give us. We learn that hanging out with them is a bigger blessing than getting something. But that baby don't understand that. One day it will. After growing and learning and maturing. Here's my point. Everybody in here is at a different place. Everybody in here is at a different place in your relationship with Jesus. Some of you know him very little. Some of you know him a whole lot. But I promise you this. The more you get to know him, the more you'll love him. See, when you, when you first came to him, you, you thought a lot about him because he got you off a of mess. You, you thought a lot about him because he, he made sure you wasn't going to hell. But the more you learn who he is, the more you learn just his personality. And here's the kicker. Here's the key. The more you learn how much he loves you. You see, his love and our love is different. The Bible says we love him because he first loved me. Oh, there's that word first. Oh, my goodness. You mean to tell me Jesus made me a priority first? And we think it's such a hard deal to make him a priority. <laughs> watch, watch. I love him because he first loved me. So here's what this is. My love is reactionary. His love is in action. Right? So what does that mean? The more we learn of how much He loves us, it will cause us to love Him that much more. So if you're not at the verse 25 love yet, or 6 or whatever verse that is, 26, I think. It's cool. Just keep learning. Amen. Just keep coming. And every time you come, I'm going to tell you he loves you. Amen. Every time you come, I'm going to tell you he's there for you. Even in the darkness when you can't see him, he can see you. Amen. And I guarantee you this. The more you learn who he is and the more you learn how much he loves you, forsaking all you have ain't nothing. Yeah. 
It was a day in my life. I said, Lord, I don't care. It's not what I want anymore. Whatever you want from my life, whatever you want, if it's preaching, I don't want to do it, but I'll do it if you want me to. I don't think I'm going to be good at it. I'm scared of people. But if that's what you want me to do, that's what I'll do. I stood on a deck that we're building at our house, and I stood on a deck, and I looked down, and I seen a creek. I mean, it's just, it's just like my dream. And God's just been so good to me. And I think about all that he's done for me. How could we not love him? How could we not put him first? When he put us first. But God commendeth his love. The word commend means to put on display. He says he commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners. In other words, when we were still wicked, when we were still crooked, when we were still sorry. He died for us. He made you a priority. The least you can do is love him. And all God's people say it. Now, I got, I got a few minutes. I can't believe it, but I do. <laughs> and I heard y'all got out early last. Don't, let, don't get used to that. <laughs> he says, listen, I demand everything. If you're going to follow me, I want you. And I want all of you. I want to. Don't, don't be shutting up. Don't be shutting you. Yeah, I got more. He says, I want your all, I want you to, your total surrender to me. And then he says, and he explains the building and the battling. He said, and this is why, because this is what it's going to take to get the job done. I'm, I'm fighting Satan. I'm fighting the culture of this world. I'm fighting wickedness and sin. I'm fighting a battle. You are a soldier in the army of the Lord Jesus Christ, and this is the kind of soldier it's going to take to get the job done. Amen? And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he throws in something that don't even make, it doesn't seem like it makes sense. I mean, he's going in, and, and, and unless you hate father, mother, sister, brother, and even your own life, you cannot be my disciple. For who goes into a battle? And then he says, and who's ever forsaken not all he had, he cannot be my disciple. And all of a sudden he says, you all know what? Salt's good. <laughs> now, I don't know if y'all have the kind of imagination I have, but I'm reading this, and I get down like, Did they, did, did, was this misplaced? Is this supposed to go here? And then you keep reading it. Salt is good. Salt is good. It seasons things. It makes things taste better. Salt is it a healing agent. It's a preserving agent. It does some great things. But then he explains something. He says, but if the salt loses its savor, in other words, it loses it. the salt in that day. It would go bad. It would go bad, and you couldn't use it for anything. It wouldn't do the job it was supposed to do. It didn't have any influence, and so they would take it and they would throw it in the street. And 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 what he is saying here, he said, if it loses a savor, what good is it? 
Matter of fact, in another gospel, it says this, good for nothing. Now watch, here's the, here's, the, here's the illustration and here's the application. The Bible says we are the salt of the earth. We're the salt of the earth, the church. Y'all with me? The disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're salt. Salt. We are supposed to be a preserving agent. We are supposed to retard and hold back wickedness and decay. We're supposed to be making a difference in this community. We're supposed to be making a difference in this world. And this is what he says. If we're not doing that, if we have lost the ability to be salt, if we do not have an influence on our community, if we don't have an influence on our cities, if we don't have an influence on the loss around us, we're good for nothing. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, guys, unless you are disciples, you will not be salty. Unless you are committed, you will not have any influence. Unless you're sold out to me, you will not have any power to accomplish the task that you're here to do. Oh, that we will be salty Christians and a salty church. We will be a church that will make a difference, a church that will change our society, a church that will change our city, a church that will go in and make an influence on our neighbors and our friends and our family members. Somebody say amen. There's a realization we got to understand. There's an explanation we need to heed. He says, look, this is what it's going to take, guys. Then the, the explanation about the salt, he says, look, go make a difference. I'm telling you guys, if you try to have God as a little piece of your life, you'll never do anything significant for him. Let me change that. Let me, I, I know the world we live in, and, and we're, we're, more, we're more, I don't want to say selfish, where we're more self-conscious to what we want or need. Let, let's, just, let's just take aside that we should be doing something for him and we should be uh, 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 making a difference for him and doing something uh, uh, significant for him. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. All up in the top and all on the bottom. I'm here to tell you this. You'll never be completely fulfilled and satisfied in your life till you sell out to Jesus Christ. All my dreams have come true. All my desires God has brought in my life. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he will give thee the desires of your heart. Amen. Let me tell you the problem that you're facing. In 25 seconds, I'm going to tell you. <clears throat> here's the issue, and here's the struggle you have. Satan has filled your life with counterfeits. And Satan has come and he's, he's, he's explained to you, oh, these hobbies are where fulfillment's found. He said that this money is where fulfillment's found. A, a, a nicer car or a bigger house or another woman or another man. And he's given you all of these things that the earth has to offer. And you know what? You may not know it now, but it's coming. When you get what you think you want, you'll find out you don't want what you get. God allowed one human being on this earth to have it all. 
I mean literally to have it all. All power, all material wealth, all wisdom. Because God let Solomon in a time of, of his backsliding still retain his wisdom. So he said, okay, go ahead. He let a human being have everything this world had to offer, literally. And, and the story of that is in Ecclesiastes. He went out, and if there was to buy it, he bought it. If there was to do, he did it. If there was to have, he had it. Wine, women, and song. Nothing that you could ever even desire or wish for today. He had it all. And when he was finished with his experiment, he said, I had it all, only to find out I had nothing. It was all vanity, vanity. And it means empty. What's the point? The point is what he said in the last verses of, of Ecclesiastes. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. That means this is what it all boils down to. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing. I'm telling you, if you really want to live, if you, if you really want to experience life, if you ever want to be truly fulfilled and experience real joy and real happiness and real peace, then sell out to Him today. Quit playing games with God. Quit playing church. Quit just going through some religious routine and decide today, I'm selling out. I'm giving my all to you. I'm going to find out my purpose in life. I'm going to find out my purpose that God has for me. See, I didn't even say that part. He said, unless a man will deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. You see, that cross is your purpose. It's your commission. Jesus, when he was being interrogated, he said, he said, for this cause was I born. For this reason came I into the world. Talking about the cross, Calvary. He said, Calvary was my destiny. It was my purpose. It was my purpose for being here. He healed lame legs, but that wasn't his purpose. He, walk, he walked on water, but that wasn't his purpose. That wasn't his main thing. He healed blinded eyes, and he raised the dead, and he fed hungry people. But his main purpose, his main destiny, John said it well. When he came walking down the riverbank, he said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Jesus said, you can't threaten me with this cross because I came for this cross. And Jesus is saying today, you have a purpose. You have a purpose. Some of you are teachers. Some of you are singers. Some of you are administrators. Some of you, hey, listen, there is a, there is a spiritual gift. Somebody don't understand this, but just in servitude. Being a simple servant and saying, Preacher, whatever you need me to do, wherever you need me to serve, I'm willing to serve. That is a spiritual gift. You don't, you don't have to be highly intelligent. You don't have to be highly educated. You don't have to be highly organized. Good night. I'm anything but any of them. But I'm willing to do whatever. And if you'll be that, he'll say, Come on. So in your process of your life of discipleship, wherever you are, whether you're a babe in Christ who mainly came to Christ for what he gave you, that's fine, but don't stay there. Continue to learn and continue to grow and continue to understand that the giver of the gift is way more precious than the gift he gave. And all God's people say it. Let's stand to our feet. Father, thank you for your blessings today. 
Thank you for the privilege of knowing you. I pray your perfect will be done. I pray that you'll move in a great way in this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're turning over to you. Go ahead, Brother Buchanan. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I encourage you, come to him. He loves you. He cares for you. He died for you. And he said, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you need to